Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 125 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are in the final week of the fantasy baseball season. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And because this is the final regular season show, we made sure we got everybody here. We have Zach, Chris, and George. You can follow them all on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Chris is at Roto Clegg. Zach is at Braff Z. Gentlemen. I don't know what to say. I'm used to talking to the screen by myself, but I'm so happy we made this happen. Final show of the regular season. You know what, Zach? How are you doing, buddy? We'll start with you. Hi. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. It's It's been a while. Like you said, you're used to just talking to yourself, just rambling on by yourself. But now you got some people to talk to tonight. So now I'm going to ramble to you. That must be nice. We need to do tangent time with Mike. We'll make that happen. George. Tangent time. <laughs> tangent time. We, we talked about that. that. That has to be a segment. George, what's up, man? Dude, it's nice having all four of us here. It's a partay. It is. It is. It, man, last week of the season, it's crazy. It feels like it just started. It's just come and gone. But yeah, we're all so like burned out. Like, right? It's, it's almost a, a like it's almost a relief. Like it's just like it's a short season, but we had just such a long draft prep and and then it, redraft prep. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we did it twice. <laughs> and then we only got a half a season, which is going to blow our minds with evaluations we're actually going to talk about that a little bit tonight but before we get into our our topic chris you're here too man what's, what's up? up dude happy to be on with everybody i think it's the first time i've been on with with, with zach and, and george so i'm excited about that like i said this, i can't believe this is we the official it. like the official i know you've been on before chris but this is like the official hey you don't forget you are part of this podcast now <laughs> although again it's been such a crazy season that we just haven't had a chance to get on a routine to get like episodes figured out because everybody's been doing the same thing it's been it's almost been like fantasy football but with baseball it's been injury reactions 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 this guy's hot this guy's cold what does it mean who who's doing what who's gonna turn around blah 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 there hasn't been any time to digest like baseball is usually a nice drink that you just slowly sip we've been doing shots this season and i can't keep up i am <laughs> i am ready to be done like but that's what i'm saying so chris obviously I, I appreciate your patience and hanging around as far as coming our fourth guy and not getting as much airtime as i would have liked to but that's going to rectify itself going into the next year but tonight we are going to talk about our personal mvps of the season and some busts we're going to each bring two to the table because there are four of us so i kept it simple to where we can do Two uh two MVPs, two busts each. Might get off a few tangents, a few extra players. That's at least was that four per person, four, eight, 12, 16 players. That's all gonna be a lot. And we are gonna get right into it though. But actually, I lied. We have one more topic too. At the end, we're gonna talk a little bit of strategy and how we're gonna uh attack 2021 prep. But all right, I guess we can just get into it. Zach, I know how much you prepped for this episode, buddy. Start us off with your first MVP. <laughs> tons of prep um so my first mvp is uh is corbin burns of the brewers we were kind of talking about him preseason um i know mean mean me and george really liked him i know mike was kind of high on him much earlier kind of maybe more as a possible saves target mm-hmm. but 
Um, it's good that they finally committed to him in the rotation long term. They midseason, I, we didn't know if that was going to happen because midseason they were messing with him as a long swing man in the pen again. But it's been great to see him in the pen, uh, back in the rotation. And um, I know last year the main concern with him was was that pitch mix. He was getting rocked on that four seam, which he was throwing way too much. Um, they were hitting four, over 400 against this four seamer last year, and he kind of just dropped that in his arsenal. And he's really he's been using the sinker more, uh, 34% this year compared to last year where he was only using a 3%. So that's really been a major weapon for him. And he added that cutter. Um, he really was barely throwing a cutter last year, and now he's throwing the cutter nearly 30% of the time. So he's definitely found a new pitch mix that's been working for him to add to that wipeout slider from last year. So it's great to see him kind of use the analytics and see what's been, what was working, what wasn't working for him. And he's definitely made what Mike likes to say is tangible change. So he's definitely looked great so far. I mean, in September, he's uh, he's been lights out. He's uh, 3-0 in September, 5-1 and in his last six starts. Um, I mean, he, he might get some MVP, uh, not MVP, I mean, maybe some MVP votes, but Cy Young votes. Um, I mean, the whole Cy Young situation is kind of a, uh, a cluster F at this point between, I'd say, DeGrom, Darvish, Bauer, and I think Kirk Corbin Burns is in that mix as well. So it's nice to see the one-two punch of, of Woodruff and Burns for the Brewers. And a lot of people were writing off the Brewers this year just because, I guess, on paper, they really didn't look that great. And they're doing all of this and competing for a, a wild card spot without Yella truly performing at all. So it's good to see Burns kind of producing finally. And he's definitely going to be probably a, uh, I'd say a top 20 pitcher next year. I think, I think Clegg, you were, uh, you put out a poll with him on there. I was curious to see some of the results. You can tell us about that, but um, I mean, Corbin Burns seems like the real deal and a frontline starter. So it's been a, a great year for Burns. Uh, a lot of people were grabbing him possibly as a, a free agent, depending on how deep your league was, or he was going maybe around like 200. He was gaining some steam towards the, towards the beginning of the season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy the difference. He's going from a top 200 guy to maybe a top 50 guy next season. So He's one of those bigger risers. It's funny that you mentioned the Brewers competing, and I had to go look. I'm like, no way. I forgot six, like half the half the league's making the playoffs, and <laughs> their winning percentage is 491 currently, not including tonight's outcome. So the fact that a team at sub-500 has a chance to make the playoffs with like five games left is absurd. But whatever, that is 2020. We have yeah. to embrace it. We, okay, so I got to ask you. Obviously, you just talked about them so eloquently. I'm looking at some of those matchups, and how much of it, like, how much are you going to look into, like, this stuff I normally would, like, ignore because over a full season, you get the gimmies with the with the hard matchups, and they kind of come together. But you see, you know, there's there's two Pittsburgh starts on here. There's a Detroit start, like a Royal start. St. Louis is meh. Minnesota hasn't been Minnesota's been good, but not the team that everyone expected them to be in terms of like just world world beaters. And then you had like this the Reds before the Reds kind of got going, which the Reds you know the Reds have kind of been hit or miss all year. My point is, is it just hasn't been overly impressive with who he's had to face. How much of how much of something like that are you kind of putting into stock when you're looking at this year? Obviously, he's not as good as he's been, but he's not going to be as bad as he was. There's a lot to like here. Are you taking the schedule and looking at it a little more than you usually would? Are you and where would you rank him? Like off the top of your head, is he like a top twenty pitcher for you next year, or top twenty five, or where do you think you're going to have him, Zach? 
So in terms of the schedule, I mean, I, I'm looking at it a little bit. Um, I mean, the same could go for, for Shane Bieber, who's gotten a lot of AL Central opponents. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's gotten the Pirates twice, which is nice. But I mean, there's there's been some other difficult starts in there. I mean, he's facing the Cubs, who are a playoff team. He's faced the White Sox, uh, like we said, the Cardinals, the Reds. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just such a weird season with the matchups and everything. But I wouldn't weigh it too heavily. I mean, the thing that I weigh more heavily is if he's actually helping his team get to the postseason, whereas a pitcher like DeGrom, the Mets are not going to make the playoffs, it's looking like. I think that kind of hurts Shocker. him a little bit more. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> you, have the, you have the best pitcher in baseball, and they're not going to make the playoffs, but that's another conversation. Like the third um, straight year, he should, he should, he'll probably win the Cy Young again this year. Maybe. And it's possible. Uh, I mean, Bauer is great matter. tonight, but yeah, it doesn't help you. I don't know, but in terms it's, of it's those, the point, though. It's the point yeah. that he's fine, even if he doesn't win, he's a top three guy in Cy Young again. For the, and he can't, uh, you guys can't get him, he can't get wins. Your team sucks. Your offense yeah. is great, too. Like, you have a good offense. Your bullpen you is just always three trash. guys, three guys in the top 10 in the NL and, and batting, and the number one pitcher in the game, and you're not going to make the playoffs. Are one but, of those three guys Pete Alonso? I just want you to I just uh, remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see you, but other people can't. Um, All right, you had your you in had terms your of fun. in oh, terms of ADP. Right. In terms of ADP, though, I think Corbin Burns is, is looking like a top twenty pitcher next year. What do you guys think, uh, Chris? I guess we'll start with you. I don't know. I'm just going in order. It's so weird. I'm used to having to delegate to three different people. Chris, what are your thoughts? A uh, quick thoughts on Corbin Burns, because like I said, I don't want like at this rate we're going to take like two hours. So quick <laughs> thoughts on Corbin Burns, and where do you think you're going to be seeing him rank next year? Or actually, where would you rank him next? Year, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely going to go top twenty, but I think he's borderline top thirty for me. I just think there's so much volatility. Love what he's done this year. Want to see more. But again, <laughs> looking at the matchups, the matchups he's had kind of discourage me from that. So I'm probably not going to get him anywhere because I'm seeing him likely going like in the 50 to 60 range, probably in like NFBC drafts. And that's just going to be too rich for my blood. So probably count me out on him next year. But I think he's a top 30 I'm guy. I'm 100% with you. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. I, I initially was thinking like, well, we might see him go kind of where we were seeing like Frankie Montas going this last year, like around 100, 110, um, you know, maybe just inside the top 100. But no, I mean, Burns has been one of the most fun pitchers to watch. I mean, his stuff is just nasty. But like Chris mentioned, like there's a lot of volatility there. So would like to see it over a longer uh, period of time. So yeah, I mean, if I can get him next year uh, around that range where, like, a Frankie Montas was going, and it was almost the same thing. You know, we saw Frankie Montas pitch, like, an ace in 2019 for first half, and then it was like, well, you want to see more. Obviously, it didn't work out this year for Montas. And, you know, so so for next year, for uh, Burns, you know, I would like to see it for uh, a longer stretch of time. So, yeah, he's been fun to watch, though. I'm kind of with you guys. Like, I, obviously, Zach is gonna be the more aggressive one on him, as at least as of right now, it is still very early. We haven't even really dove into ranks, but we will be soon enough because I I feel like this year is gonna take more time than ever to get stuff right. But enough about that. We'll get to that later, George. While you're on a roll here, who's your first MVP of the season for your? Again, this is personal MVPs for your for our own fantasy teams. Yeah, so this guy has come through for me big time this year, and that is Luke Voigt. And Luke Voigt, 21 home runs, uh, leading the league, right, and most home runs so far. Mm-hmm. In 275, uh, 335, 627 is his slash line, 14.1% barrel rate, 
41% hard hit rate, his expected batting average, 289. I mean, that just shows you. And we kind of knew already that Luke Voigt was a good hitter. I mean, it was kind of obvious where he slumped last year was it kind of coincided with that core injury. And uh, But before that, I mean, he was basically on the same pace as what he's doing now. And so he comes into this season, he lost weight, he's in shape, and he's just crushing it, just absolutely crushing it. And, and you know, he's been more aggressive, so that's why you kind of see the lower walk rate um, than what we were used to. 50.5% uh, first pitch swing rate is just way high, 50% uh, pull rate. So he's just – and he's not getting cheated, not getting cheated at all. He's just taking advantage of, of – you know, he's making more contact than he's ever made. 82.8% zone contact rate to career high. Um, sub 40% ground ball rate. I mean, he's just doing everything right. He's doing everything right in that stadium, on that team. You got to love it. Um, Luke Voigt, I mean, first base is just, I mean, outside of Freddie Freeman are you ha and, and Jose Abreu. I mean, are you happy with anyone else other than like Voigt, Abreu, Abreu and, uh, and Freeman? <laughs> Happy you know, is a strong word. <laughs> I think anyone who's taken Luke Voigt's got to be their MVP. You know, I mean, yeah. And where do you have? Where would you? Where do you think he's going to rank next year in terms of first baseman? Probably, probably going to be close to a top five guy, right? Like him or Rizzo oh, yeah. is going to be the, the the discussion for people. And I'd rather have him over Rizzo. Rizzo has not looked like himself, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the thing we're going to see, like, we're going to have people kind of like weighing like Alonzo Olsen and Voight, like that's going to be a decision. Like it has, he surpassed like those two guys, you know? Uh, and I Sorry, think Alonzo. Yes. Alonzo. Yes. Yeah. Olsen, Olsen. He might've because he's not falling into those batting average problems where Olsen, if you go look at the damn, um, what you what you see with him is he's being shifted heavily. Like they're not even putting a third baseman on the field. They're putting four outfielders and like a deep fourth outfielder until he bunts against that shift. It's going to kill him because he's such a pull ball hitter. It's one of those things that, if I mean, what's, but other than that, Olsen's power is legit. So I, I think Voight is going to be, you should, I like that range and I hate to cut you off, but it's just, I have to defend Olsen because I have to poo poo on Alonzo. But yeah, <laughs> um, I'm just yeah. thinking like, because like someone like, it's going to be like, for me, it's going to be like Voight or DJ LeMahieu, who again is having another fantastic year under the radar, stealing some bases, hitting for power again. It becomes like a little risk reward there. Like obviously Voight has the higher upside with power and all that, but multi-positional eligibility with, with DJ and the high floor, I think there's going to be a discussion there at first base, ultimately me giving the edge to DJ for the high floor. Cause I mean, maybe I'm valuing high floor after all the injuries and COVID this year, but COVID's not going away. So COVID's going to be an issue again next year. So that's going yeah, to have to be a factor. The one thing I will say that is kind of like, kind of a red flag for Voight is he did have that core muscle injury last year. And then this year, uh, you know, it kind of came out that he's been dealing with the foot issue and it, he swings so violently. I, I watch like a lot of his at bats and like, he swings so violently. Like I cringe when he's up, like <laughs> when he's swinging. Cause I'm like, Oh man, like, uh, you know, I don't know. He's one of those guys that I'm not sure. Is he going to last over a full season? Uh, I hope so. Cause he could put up some just ridiculous numbers, but, um, that, that's just the one little concern I would have with Voight, but yeah, he's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, Chris, what what are your thoughts on Voight? Do you have any? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a I'm a big Voight fan. Like, if you just look at what he's done since being traded to the Yankees, like when he's on the field, he's elite. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but I looked at it the other day, and his like 162 game pace with with the Yankees is like 
pretty crazy. Like good batting average, like 44 home runs, I think maybe, maybe more, but solid pace. And obviously kind of inflated a little bit by his big year this year, but dude, he's legit. And I, I do share the cons- concerns a little bit about the injuries, but everybody's got some risk. I think first base is a wasteland and Voight's been a stud dude. And I think, He'll be rightfully valued probably even if he's in the top five first baseman. Like hard not to with how bad a lot of guys have been. Yeah. Now I got to ask you, Zach, and I'm sure I'm pretty sure Alonzo's on your bus category. So we're not going to talk about him in depth by any means yet, but I got to ask Pete Alonzo or Luke Voigt. I don't know if I heard your answer. I just want to make sure it's very clearly stated for the record. <laughs> I'm not. Pre- I'm not prepared to uh, to give you that answer right now. Alonzo I will say it, it sounds like it sounds like George is proposing a bet for next season, a Scherzi bet for Olson versus Alonzo versus Voight, which I would be down to do, and probably well, lose that bet again. <laughs> well, here, we have we have to figure out the. The, the the thing behind the scenes with our bets because George lost the Reynolds one by four. Okay, we'll talk about that another time. Chris, you are up, sir, with your first MVP. I am, and I actually changed mine today. I was like, <laughs> oh, cool, because you know I have the sheet here. I prep. Well, I have names on it, so I know who I'm going to make sure. I just want to make sure I write it down so we can recap it. So yeah. who's your MVP? While right. I pull up the sheets. Sure. I, I originally had Freddie Freeman and Shane Bieber, who have been studs for some of my teams, but then I thought about in relative terms of like ADP, and obviously they've been elite. But in terms of ADP, I've switched to another brave, actually, Marcelo Zuna who was an outfielder that I actually really loved coming into this year. His ADP was like right at 93, 94. And so with the value he's returned, I mean, he's been a stud, dude. He's hitting 327, 17 bombs, 53 RBI, and his 248 plate appearances. I mean, those are some serious numbers there in, in this shortened season. And I've one reason I liked him a lot, actually the first article I ever published for SP Streamer was about like, um, over and under performers for XBA and batting average. And Ozuna stood out to me because he was the largest underperformer in batting average last year based on XBA. And so I kind of got to diving deeper on him. And then obviously being with the Braves was cool. Like the Braves are my team. The interesting thing is Ozuna has been killing it, but his contact rate is down. His own contact rate is down. But when he's hitting the ball, like he's mashing it, obviously. <laughs> he's lowered his ground ball rate and turned those ground balls into fly balls, which in turn has also increased his home run to fly ball rate because he's hitting the ball so hard. He's got a a 93 mile an hour exit velocity. The sweep spot percentage is great at 38.7. Even the expected numbers look great. I mean, his X slug is 660. It's like obnoxiously high. And Ozuna's slugging 626 right now, OPS of 1.041. So all around, like just, what he's done has been tremendous for fantasy and he's been a, a big part of some of my teams that are performing well. And so again, like I had to switch it. Cause I was like, man, Freeman and Bieber are awesome. But like in terms of relative return of on investment, like Ozuna has been one of the, the bigger ones for me. No, no, I'm going to actually, while we talk, I'm going to look up, see if he had a swing change because i saw the launch angle increase which is a big reason behind and that's what that's been i actually was talking to somebody tonight because somebody asked me about all these like little breakdowns i do and i'm like the biggest reason for me to start looking into them is launch angle changes because with launch angle changes probably comes a mechanical change to help get that loft in the swing and he's a lot he's a launch angle increase guy and with launching increase you mentioned the ground ball rate decrease and that increased the quality of contact and his average exit velocity all that's up 
which suggests that this there might be a change there. So I'm actually going to look this up on the fly while we talk about uh, – unless anybody has anything to add on Ozuna, I'm going to jump to Zach's first bust. I was just going to say about Ozuna, that's a hell of a replacement for Josh Donaldson last year. I'd say that worked out pretty well. Especially with Josh Donaldson losing uh, losing time with the calf, but dude, did you see? Okay, did you see the picture of the robes that he bought the team? Yeah, so pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I'm not gonna lie. I looked down. I'm like, holy calves! How does he injure those things? Yeah, they're <laughs> they're too they're big. Enormous. <laughs> That's the problem. Maybe yeah. Maybe like, they're too like Stanton and Judge are too big. Yeah. Man, those guys. Stanton's a guy that made my bust list, but we'll talk. He's strictly injury anyway. Zach, first bust. First bus. So I guess we should just get into it now. Um, Pete Alonzo. Um, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, just a very disappointing, uh, very disappointing season. Obviously, me and Mike, we had the big bet between Olsen, who really hasn't been all that much better, to be honest. It's the home runs have carried him past Alonzo. That's pretty much been it. Even though Alonzo's hit the home runs too. Yeah. Oh, I think I also think Olsen has a couple stolen bases, which is a cheap way of winning a bet, but I'll take off, it. Off the top of your head, how many does Olsen have? I Three? No, uh, home runs. A home run, 14. All right. Alonzo's got 13, so it's really not that far off. They've both been really, really oh, bad. Sorry, he has one stolen base. So I don't, I don't understand why he's doing better like in the rankings. They're like the same player. But I'll yeah. take it. I'll take it. <laughs> but he's, he has a lot more RBI. That's what it is. The 42 RBI. Wow, 42. That's, that's impressive. The A's have been 30. really good this year. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Both both disappointing based on yes, ADP where they went. But Alonzo, I mean, one, one thing that really is going to be tough next year is he might be losing. He's not going to lose playing time. But the emergence of Don Smith has really just been huge. Uh, Don Smith has been taking a lot of time at first base. And I think mentally that's kind of messing with Alonzo, just being kind of a permanent DH. I don't think that's what he wants to be long-term, and I can't blame the guy. Um, but I don't think that's helped the situation, although it's nice seeing the emergence of Dom Smith, who we'll probably talk about at a later time. Um, but, I mean, Alonzo, he's just he's just not looking the same as last year at all. Um, his barrel rate is down from 15%, ne- nearly 16% last year to 10.5%. His exit velo is down a couple of ticks his hard hit rate is down from 42 percent to 37 percent and last year we saw we saw alonzo just crushing fastballs uh last year his average was 294 against fastballs and this year he's hitting 219 against fastballs um he just looks completely lost on the breaking ball this year as well but I didn't realize when I looked at until I looked at the numbers. He's just he's also lost on the fastball as well. So it's just everything. He's just lost at the plate completely. Um, there was a pitch today where uh, I think it was Glass now pitched. <laughs> the ball hit the dirt like uh, way before the plate, um, and Alonso just <laughs> swung just a complete sword at the ball, and it was just disgusting. It really kind of just summed up Alonso's season. That swing right there. So it's going to be tough to. Um, I'm, I want to give him a pass for this 2020 season because I, I think maybe in a 162-game season this year, he may have been able to figure things out. He's a hard worker. He's really looking hard at the metrics, um, but it's just not there right now. And I'm hoping with some work in the offseason, we'll see maybe the 2019 Alonzo come back next year, but it's going to be tough to rank him. Uh, we were talking about Voight before, who kind of skyrocketed up the first base ranks. We've seen first baseman 
like Alonzo, Josh Bell, Matt Olson kind of just take a downward turn um, in the shortened season. So it's going to be, it's a tough position to rank next year, but obviously there's definitely some, some long-term concerns here with Alonzo. And then especially the playing time could be an issue, whether or not they're going to play him and Smith or if somebody's going to get moved, who knows, but obviously it's been a very disappointing season for, for people that invested like a second, third round pick in Alonzo. Yeah, I'm going to just let you finish up. I'm not going to mess with you anymore with Alonzo. I'm just – I'm trying to see, like, what else there's going on there. He's just not making the same – a lot of it with him is quality of contact is down. He's always – he's been good at barreling balls since he's been in the league. His sweet spot percentage has been decent. But like like you said, I think as somebody – like, don't get me wrong, the power we know is there. But when you're not barreling the ball up like you were last year and, and the hard hit, that's going to affect everything. Yeah. And he's and, still, when he is getting a hold of the ball, he's hitting it hard. But the problem is he's just not getting to the ball like he was last year. And the launch angle is still there as well. That's not an issue either. Uh, he's just he's just flat out missing the breaking pitches and the fastball just down the middle of the plate. He's just missing them. So. The pitch, maybe pitchers, I mean, it looks like they've obviously changed up their approach in terms of adding fastballs uh, and decreasing both breaking and off speed, but maybe it's a sequencing thing. They're probably not attacking fastballs like they're not probably, they're probably not throwing fastballs early in the zone, and you you are seeing more aggression with the first pitch swing up for uh, for Alonzo as well. So maybe yeah. he's he's not being as patient, and the whiff rates up, so there's a little more swing and miss in the game, which we saw in the second half of last year. I think pitchers figured him out a little bit, and they're they're temp- they're making him work for it. Yeah, that's we've all seen it the, seems like. We've seen, we've seen the sophomore slump before, so it's. I tried it's, to tell you. I tried to did. tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of these guys, it, some of these guys, it's going to be really hard to explain just because of the circumstances of this season. Like, you know, he wouldn't be the first guy to to have a two month slump and then yeah. like figure it out in the second half of the season, like over like typically over 162 games, you know. So some of these guys are just really not going to be able to really explain what's going on. Um, so, I mean, you kind of got to give them a pass, um, unless there's something just like really obvious, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's going to be hard to explain. I mean, not only, not only is it a shortened season, but it's like, they're dealing with all the stuff we're dealing with, with all the, um, you know, COVID and, you know, all the, all the rules and just the circumstances of, of this year in general, you know, different uh, facing different pitchers never before, uh, different divisions. I, I get it. There's a lot of weird weirdness to this year. I totally understand that. This team has had COVID, I believe, at, at one point or something. Yeah, they had the Mets. They, they so it's just it's, issue. it's such a small sample size, like George just said. Um, it's, we're, it's okay. Let, let's let's get to the point of where we're drafting. I'm sorry to cut you off, <laughs> but again, we're not. We are not moving fast enough. Zach, where do you think you're drafting him next year? Honestly, top fifty, top seventy-five. I would probably still maybe go top 50 but it's tough it's tough at this you point. can't quit him he's not a top 50 player he's a <laughs> i'm really I'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of writing off this year this is this is basically in 162 game season this is a first half slump and i would expect him to turn it on the second half okay fair enough but we the argument is is if you look back to the second half of last year it's pretty much a full year slump now in terms of struggle yeah i've got his numbers up since last all-star break, 532 plate appearance. He's batting 226. Uh, 226. 26%, 27% K rate. 27% K rate, 36 home. I, 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 I might study him. Two RBIs, 73 runs. So Three sorry, categories. 
He's like outside the top 100 easily. He's Franmil Reyes. Which means I won't have him. Somebody will overdraft him. He's His upside is I, – I still think I'll have him around 80-ish because the upside is there for better than that. But like, like Josh Bell this year was like a, a was a great example of a value at first base when you, when you sat down and looked at it. And there's no reason why he shouldn't be going around like – and Jose Abreu was in the 70s. And Peter Alonso, we've seen him be better than that. So to say that he can't – I think I'm going to have him as a top 100 guy, but it's not going to be like – I think top eight, I think 80 ish or 75 might be the peak because the we see the floor. And like you said, you went back a full, a full season's worth of at bats basically. And the floor is a 220. He could be Chris Davis with a K or maybe even a C, which scares the crap out of me. <laughs> and Zach's just shaking his head. George, what are your final thoughts on Pilonzo and where are you taking them? Don't you? Yeah, I think uh, the, the first number that came to my head, and I think you were just right on it, like between 75 and 80, I, I think. Um, I think that's a good spot. And that's, again, this is very early. We haven't even looked at, like, like you're going to have to think of guys like Will Myers or Pete Alonzo. It's like, wow, I mean, that's tougher than it sounds. Like, everyone would think, oh, it's Will Myers, but that is really tough. All right. Um, Chris, back to you, buddy. First bust. So my first bust is Nolan Arenado. And this is a guy who has been the most, arguably the most consistent player next to Mike Trout. All right, so for a five-year span from 2015 to 2019, here's what he averaged. 40 home runs, 104 runs, 124 RBIs, and a 300 average. You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody more consistent performing in those four categories. So drafting Arenado at the back end of the first felt like great value. Same like with J.D. Martinez, similarly. But he's, maybe injuries have bothered him all year. I don't even know, man. I don't even know where to begin because his contact numbers are up. Like he he increased his contact percentage by five percent, his zone contact up over like six percent. But it was just terrible, man. Two fifty three and eight home runs. That's that's all we really got. And so it was kind of discouraging there. His strikeout rate was way down. He's so hard to explain. He's another one of those guys that you just sit here and wonder: Did injuries bother him all year? Like we know. At this point, like he's injured, he's out for the year, but did it linger all year because his exit velo was down, the launch angle was up, and 19 degrees is like pretty, pretty high. Like that's kind of getting a little high there because his the sweet spot of his career, too. Right. The sweet spot percentage is, is down like from 34 to 27. And even the expected numbers, man, the XBA at 246, not good. <laughs> Hard hit right down. I just all across the board. You just have to wonder if injuries lingered, but he was a killer for at least you got a, several home runs out of him. But for where you drafted him, man, definitely a bust. Yeah, and that launch angle could be part of the problem because sure, the uh, the typically again launch angle is usually a good thing. You want to see that, but with him, it's actually made him his pop up rate is through the roof. It went up like four and a half percent, and weak contact went up two percent. And you add all this together. And yeah, even his, his under percent, which makes sense because get, getting under the ball will cause pop-ups. All this stuff is part of the issue. So maybe just not getting into the flow of things, injuries, all this could have caused those issues to, and just made things worse because everything else is lining up. Ground ball rate, uh, pull straight and opposite opposite field, stuff like that. He struggled against fastballs. I don't know when the last time he struggled against fastballs was. Oh, I'm sorry. Like never. <laughs> I think he's like a career, like almost like a 290 hitter over the last, at least like a 290 hitter on fastballs over the last five years. And this year it's like 268. 
just to give you an idea. It's like, and he's been hitting over 300 on fastball. So he's really struggling, but he has seen a, a decrease in fastballs and increase in the other pitches. He's actually really under underperformed against off speed. So I think there's a lot of nothing to work, really worry about. I think he'll be just fine. Cause you're like, and you mentioned again, it could be just a small tweak in the swing. He needs to adjust with a full off season and health. I think he could do that. He's Nolan Arenado. He's never going to, he's not going to just be a bad hitter. So he could be a really good value next year. You might be able to get him in the back end of a second round or mid second round pick. And he could be like this year's JD, JD Davis, JD Martinez, but in a good way, one that's actually going to perform. So I'm actually with you on Leonardo. Does anybody think do you think he'll probably be in the third round, maybe? Anybody think he'll fall there? I don't think so. I was just gonna say, like, I, I don't think we're gonna see like a huge discount on, on Nolan. We're kind of already seeing him like at the turn this year. I, I think I don't think he falls past the second round. I think he's, he still has cores. I think for me, like I don't know, I can just go ahead and get into my first bus, but like Well, I was gonna ask you real quick before you get into it. Um I'll, I'm gonna play some would you rather? Okay. And how about Harper or Arenado? Oh, Harper. Harper. What about Machado or, or Arenado? Machado. Yeah, I think I'm Machado. And these are both guys that, like, you see now uh, Freeman or Arenado. Like, obviously, it's Freeman. Yeah. And now you see how it's slowly Starling Marte or Arenado? Arenado. Arenado. Okay, you're not there yet because Marte's looked fantastic this year. And I might be a biased Marlins fan. So Arenado is going to be a great value. He's going to go in the 20s. We did a, a mock on the Nasty Cast pod last night, and he went 23rd. And I think he's going to go there or later. Like, I see his ADP probably being like 25 ish. I think you're going to get great value. As long as he's with the Rockies still, full season in cores, dude, he's going to be great value. I'm just trying to find other names. And that's kind of those are the names that come to mind that are going to jump him that were behind him in the draft season. You might see people like want to be like, well, Eloy Jimenez has had a great half year. Maybe he would jump him. I'm just looking at names. Um, uh, Xander Bogarts always underappreciated, solid value. Did anybody know that Bogarts? Like, I'm double checking myself right now, but th- did anybody realize that Bogarts had seven steals? That is like actually, huge. Yeah, that I, I saw that earlier, and it kind of took me by surprise too. Like, whoa, seven steals. <laughs> is yeah. this just a Devers impression where he's like gonna steal for a little bit and not steal next year? Okay, fine. How about last two? Bogarts, Devers, Arenado, rank them. George, we'll start with you. Bogart, Stevers, Arenado. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, oh man, the steals really make a difference right now. Like in my head, I want Bogarts ahead of him. I don't know. I, I think maybe Bogarts might be doing like a Manny Machado impression. Like one year he's going to steal, one year he's not. I, I don't know. That <laughs> that's a good one. I think I do. I would take Bogarts and then. Uh, oh man, yeah, yeah that was Devers bad. guy. <laughs> you know, I like Devers. And Devers has been turning it on. People don't realize yeah, how good yeah. he's been lately. How wrong I was because he's just a slow starter. Um, uh, see, yeah. that's, that's, that's my point. There becomes, and then you have Rendon, who's still Rendon. So you have this glob, and Arenado has entered it, and you can argue he has the highest ceiling of them. But are we sure? Like, how much do stolen bases matter? Because if stolen bases matter, Bogarts gets the edge if any of the speed right. is real. But if if the, if you you know you start looking into it and the speed doesn't seem like it'll stick, then Arenado becomes the clear one for me. I, I still think I'd rather have Arenado personally over Devers and Rendon. But at least I think there's a conversation to be had there. Yeah, there is for sure. Yeah, Arenado's floor feels way safer. Bogarts has a, a really high floor He's too. Just not appreciated. Yes, it's I think what it is is it's the shortstop eligibility, the short the position thing. That really screws him in fantasy. And then the fact that he's like a mid-20s, maybe hits that low 30 home run mark, 
Whereas Aaron Arnold can hit 40 plus, no problem. Yeah. But are, what, what if what if Aaron Arnold gets traded next year? Because they've talked about it this year. Yeah, that's my point. It's like yeah, we're gonna changes. see that year. We're gonna see that regression. All right, we're getting way off topic. I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> Who's up? I think I think it's oh George is about to talk. George, go ahead and get in your first the second first. Sure. Oh, yeah, second so my, my first uh bust actually. Oh geez, we're uh, way behind. Okay. First bust. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, so my, my first bust is actually JD Martinez. Yeah, there you go. And so I think he's one of these guys who's actually really gonna take a hit for me going into next year. Um I think age is going to be a big, fa- bigger factor for me than anything else. Like younger guys, like um, like a Nolan Arenado, like I, I'm still like I'm still going to trust him to be Nolan Arenado next year. But someone like JD Martinez is going to be in his what thirty age thirty three thirty four season next year. Uh, he's a guy who's I'm I'm not just going to write off as as just like an off, you know, short sample size season whatever. You know, I'm I'm like he's going to take a bigger hit for me, and it's just JD Martinez he. I mean, he's had a pattern now. It's it's been a while. Basically, since 2017, his barrel rate's been declining year over year, and 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 this year is down to 10.9, which is okay. You know, it's 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 not bad, but it's not the 16 percent, 19 percent that we were used to seeing from JD Martinez. And I mean, last year it was down to 11.8 percent, but he was still making just great contact. You know, he still hit. Uh, you know, he, he still was a fantastic hero last year. And so I don't, I think the days of thinking that JD Martinez is like a 340 home run hitter are, are over, you know? So, and, and so going into next year, I think yeah, I, he, he was someone who has been really vocal about like, you know, not being able to watch video in between at bats and stuff. So maybe that has something to do with it. I, I don't think he's a, you know, 218 hitter that, that he's hitting right now. I think he's going to settle in next year, maybe around 280, 285, and, and maybe 30 home runs, which is not going to be much different than like an Eddie Rosario, Nick Castellanos. Uh, so I think for me, I'm going to be probably comfortable taking JD Martinez in that range, which you're looking at, you know, maybe between 70, 80, but I don't think he's going to fall that far. You know, I, so I'm probably not going to have any JD Martinez next year. I, I think he should. I think he should fall. See, I, I don't think he'll be that far either. And I think he should be in that fourth round, fifth round area where Chris Bryant was this year. I think that's where he should be because I think he's performing at his floor. You know the ceiling, and that's. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to just throw in the towel on him yet. I would like to give. You know, I, I don't want to just completely write off a guy. I know he'll be what he's 33 now, so I'm not sure if he'll be. In, he'll be in his age 34 season. Or B34 by then. I'm not sure how that's going to work. I don't know. I don't know his actual birthday. I'm looking at Statcast, not Fangraphs, so I can't tell you that. But um, regardless, it's one of those things. I'm not. Re- he could have one of those resurgent years. Next, thing you know, he's essentially um, Nelson Cruz. Like yeah. that wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, I mean, the thing is, his so his uh, plate discipline numbers have pretty much looked the same. There's nothing really. His like, launch angle was a little off this year. It took a big jump, and with it, he started popping up. Get, sorry, not popping up the ball a lot, getting under the ball a lot more. So that's yeah. probably why you know with the, with getting under the ball more and getting, and all that, it's causing weaker contact. He's not barreling as often, which is which is causing issues as a whole as well. And he's striking out more, which is weird. But I'm sure that's just because he's swinging through pitches more than he's uh, than he had. Yeah, his whiff his whiff rate's up. Yeah. So. so like as far as like his contact and stuff, like. Zone contact, 83.5. That's not all that far off from, like, what he's done. Like, he had 86.8 last year, but it was 83.4 in 2018. Like, it's not that far off from what yeah. he's used to doing. It's just the, that quality of contact. You, you kind of alluded to it. 
is just has been going down year over year now for a few years. So I'm I'm just I'm kind of skeptical that he can have that kind of Nelson Cruz like aging curve. And so he's someone that I'm probably just not going to have much of next year at all. I still think he's going to be a good hitter. Like I said, I, I I would put him down for 280, 285, and 30 home runs. And that's that, that puts him out. That puts him as a four category producer. He shouldn't be falling out of the fourth or fifth round then. I mean, that puts him as a good four category producer, not a not an elite four category producer that we're used to. You know, like I said, like that's why I'm saying fourth and fifth round. <laughs> yeah, like would you rather have him or like an Eddie Rosario? That I think they're going to be pretty similar. Maybe next year. I mean, he's going to probably have he's going to walk a lot more, but. I mean, I have to look at Rosario. I haven't looked at Rosario's numbers in a while. Yeah, I haven't looked at him too much either. But it just sounds. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, okay, sounds like it. Okay, how about how about another struggling guy, but a younger one with less of a track record? Would you rather have uh, Martinez or or Austin Meadows? Austin, right? Austin, yeah. That's right, Meadows. I know he's a brother. Meadows, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I would still take uh, Austin Meadows there. And yeah, Rosario is hitting 250 and power i'd rather have jd martinez um <laughs> just so just so just to put that out there I'd rather jd still i think it becomes nelson cruz or jd because cruz gets older the age is he's always gonna be held yeah. down with the age but um zach it's been a little bit hey buddy this is the perk of having four people on the show you get to chill out you get to chill and listen to us talk a little bit learn up on some stuff because you've been you know mia but regardless i digress jd martinez what are your thoughts on him you're more of a real life guy than the advanced stats and all that what do you think well it's funny because george tried to sell me mr uh jd martinez in one of our leagues and <laughs> i was actually very interested i thought he was going to bounce back a little bit and yeah, he got a good return for him <laughs> <laughs> better than i was offering apparently um but i'm st- i'm still gonna buy in for jd next season um it- it's really hard i'm trying not to overreact on what we've seen so far this year i know a lot of people have been I really haven't been on top of it as I have in the past, just in terms of analyzing and looking into these guys. That's why I'm really just trying to. Uh, I don't want to completely write off this year, but I'm giving a lot of guys, especially a lot of veteran guys, like guys like Arenado. I'm still in on next year. Uh, we've seen him do it. I think he's got one of the safer floors in the game, and I think JD is kind of right there with him. So he might drop a little bit in the rankings for me, but I'm still I'm I'm not out on JD next year. By, ne- by any means. I'm with you. Clegg, quick thoughts on J.D. Martinez, and where do you feel comfortable taking him? Yeah, I think he rebounds. I like him a lot. Obviously, similarly to Arenado, like, he had been one of the safer plays over the last several years. I'd probably take him inside the top 50, so if you can get him in the fourth round, I, I think I'd be okay with that. I'm not overly concerned about him, but again, like, I haven't really fully dove into – the advanced stats there for him to to really check, but I think I do think he bounces back. Do we see peak JD Martinez again? Probably not, but I still think you're getting a solid average, 35 home runs, and solid counting stats. The Red Sox lineup should be better next year, so I'm fine with taking him easily inside the top 50, and which I think is reasonable. Clegg, I don't know how you feel about side bets, but I feel like next year is going to be the year of them because there's going to be so many differences across the four of us in mm-hmm. terms of rankings. It's going to be a lot of fun to get into and dive into, but we are running long, so I'm going to ask you guys to hurry up on uh, so Just keep your thoughts quicker going forward. Not that you guys – I love the information, but let's be honest. Nobody wants to listen to an hour-long baseball podcast right now these days, and I hate to say that because I still love doing them, but it's the, re- it's the harsh reality of it. So where do we leave off? Everyone's giving me at least one MVP one bus, right? At least one, yeah. George or sorry, Zach. I have unless you have one to add. 
one of your MVPs are Kenta Maeda, correct? Correct. You want to talk about him just for a brief moment? Why, sure. Why he was an MVP for you? Um, so, yeah, Kenta Maeda. Obviously, we, we saw him come over from the Dodgers, and he doesn't have Dodgeritis anymore, which is fantastic for fantasy owners. Um, I know he was kind of a, a hot pick going into the 2020 season. He was around 150 ADP, uh, the 43rd starting pitcher, roughly, um, off the board. I mean, we're going to see that skyrocket. I mean, you're looking at a, another top 20, possibly maybe top 15, uh, depending on how you're ranking these guys. But we've seen um, some big changes in his game. We've seen that K rate boost up a little bit. We've seen the walk rate drop. He's really not walking um, many guys at all right now. Um, had another great outing uh, tonight. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's going to be in the Cy Young discussion as well. We've seen um, he's he's really limiting the hard contact this year as well, 98th percentile and hard hit rate. We've seen some picks, pitch mix change as well, like we saw with Corbin Burns as well. Uh, this year we're, we're seeing more of the uh, the slider changeup combo compared to last year where we were seeing more of a, a four-seam slider combo. Um, so he's really uh, improved with his pitch mix changes here but he's also like we've talked about before he's kind of feasting upon that al central nl central as well um but i think overall i think he's definitely improved and he's going to be one of the uh the top tier starters next year and i really like him going into 2021 so and kent maeda or corbin burns which one would you take next year zach i personally think maeda is probably a safer floor um i would probably go Personally, <laughs> I, I, would, I would go Maeda. I mean, we've we've seen what Burns has done this year, but like somebody said before, he's very volatile, and there's a chance he could just blow up and return to 20, 2019 form. So I would go Maeda over Burns. Anybody disagree with that? Nope. All right. So while we're st- while I'm talking to you, buddy, I have three busts written down for you here. I'm gonna let you talk about all of them. But which one do you want to talk? Which one did you want to talk about the most? And then I'm gonna make sure. I just want to rub it in, basically, but I'm going to make sure we talk about all three a little bit. But which one do you want to talk about the most? Are you talking to is Zach? This, is this to me? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, the yeah, there's four that, of you. I'm using names, and I'm trying to use them right tonight. The bus that I was going to talk about very quickly because I just really have nothing else to say anymore is Chris Bryant. It's just been god-awful, atrocious. <laughs> um, the only thing that I can say is he's – He's hit lefties pretty well, but it's such a small sample size. I mean, he's only got like 123 at-bats this year. He's been battling injuries. Uh, we've seen just a drop in the, the stack cast metrics. His exit velo is down. His hard hit rate is down. He's striking out a ton. He's not walking enough. I mean, he was a top 50 pick this year, maybe, and we're lucky if he's a top 100 pick next year. Very frustrating player to own. I actually tried – acquiring him in a few leagues i thought uh, i was getting a good deal tried to buy low on him and it's just completely backfired and it's going to be tough to uh to gauge his value for next year but i mean you're lucky if he's a top 100 pick did he season. have a wrist injury right that was one of his many he has an oblique now yeah. I know that. it was a wrist injury oblique now but i think one of the problems with him is he just needs to stay in one position they're moving him back and forth between third base and outfield and I think he he's an MVP type player. He needs to stay at one position to stay comfortable. I mean, he's diving all over the place in the outfit. It, it kind of reminds me of Will Myers moving him around a little bit, kind of messes with him a little bit. So I think moving forward, they should just keep him at third base. Although it's nice having that outfield eligibility fantasy wise. Um, so maybe maybe I'll take like five to ten games in the outfield. 
<laughs> yeah, but. Um, I'm actually going to be in on Brian's price because I know he's going to drop. And I know I'm chalking this up to COVID year, terrible year, and injury. Honestly, I'm not going to take him near top 50, but he'll be in that 80-ish range. He'll be around that Pete Alonso range for me. And I rather, I think I'd rather have him over Pete Alonso, to be honest, still. Maybe. <laughs> I have to revisit that one. I have to revisit <laughs> that one. But I do think that this is – like I don't think this is who Chris Bryant is suddenly at 28 years old. I th- he's yeah. still in his prime. He's still the good hitter he's always been. This is just a lost year. At least that's my thought. This is without me truly diving in. But I think just with the injuries and all that, he's it's a lost year. Does anybody have thoughts? Like, is, is anybody completely out on him? I'm curious yeah, to I'm get Cle- I'm curious to get Clegg's thoughts because Clegg wrote a nice little piece on him, and I'm curious to see where you're at on on Bryant. Perfect. Yeah, he he's declined consistently year after year. And it's not good for a guy coming off an MVP season to steadily decline, especially given he's only like 28 yeah. years old. And I mean, he's in the like in the prime of his career declining. I just think the injuries are lingering more than we think. And I don't know. I, I w- I've been in, in on him steadily until even this year. And he's burned me this year. So I, I have a hard time buying back in unless the price is really good. Like he's going to have to go around pick 100 probably for me to consider. But should, dude, should be good next year. Yeah. I think he's going to be there. I think I think he's going to fall to that range, and it's going to be a good value. It's going to be like he's going to be like you know what people are going to look at him like you know what Ben Attendi like you know how Ben Attendi which never it, he didn't pan out, but he was going around that pick one hundred to one ten range because the speed potential. I think he could fall there, but the difference and he has in Bryant, but I think Bryant could actually be the good value. Ben Attendi might be a value next year just because he might fall around that two hundred. He might fall to that two hundred pick Zach fifty. Yeah, <laughs> Zach's good. like. Yeah, I'm but good. I pick two hundred. <laughs> find find me a guy that can that can steal ten to fifteen bases. Yeah. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Would you rather try Mercado? Oh yeah, look how that worked out. I'm good on that too. This is even on their team. I mean, you know, Benintendi, Brian. I wouldn't be surprised if either or both are moved. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. Okay, and Zach, I want to make sure we touch on these guys. You don't have to say anything besides UG, but. You were a big Hunter Renfro and Craig, Craig, Krimble, Craig Kimbrell guy this year. Yeah, <laughs> both both of those uh, may have backfired a little bit. <laughs> um, I tried to tell you Renfro wasn't going to hit for average, and as soon as they got, as soon as the Rays acquired him, I was so con- and he became more of a platoon guy. Like I was, that was my biggest concern. I was hopeful because I I did draft him in a few early leagues as a fifth outfielder, and I barely started him. And when he hits home runs, he still has this thing with home runs, but the guy just can't seem to. Yeah. We knew the average was going to be low, but I didn't yeah. think it was going to be under 200. I was expecting maybe like a 230, 240 with a ton of bombs. But, I mean, he was getting consistent consistent run time pretty early when you were doing like your lineup takeaways. He was pretty much in the lineup every day, even against righties, which he's kind of struggles. But, um, yeah, uh, they just have so many options. Like we were saying uh, preseason, there's just so many options there um, that they're going to play some of their other guys. And we've seen like Nate guys like Nate Lowe. And um, so Tatsugo or whatever his name is, they're just kind of coming to play right now. So you got to play the hot hand. And then Kimbrel, um, I really thought the full offseason, it, it's it's tough because this really has been a weird offseason as well. I don't want to blame it on that, but I, I really thought with the full offseason coming in, it was going to kind of help him. But he the first week, he really just looked lost. Uh, he's improved a little bit, but it's hard to just trust him in the ninth inning right now. But, I mean, the Cubs are postseason bound, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how he does in the postseason. He's 
I wouldn't say he's excelled. He he has excelled, but he, it's just very shaky when Kimbrell's in the game. So we'll see how he rebounds in the postseason. But yeah, not great calls. <laughs> I'm just trying to find him. His his K minus walk rate, which is actually impressive considering he has like an 18 percent freaking walk rate, which is absurd for a relief pitcher. It's up there. It's really, yeah, it's really up there. I was looking it up on. <laughs> I looked it up because I was really curious because he has a seven point seven one. No, that's not. That's not wrong. It's seven point seven one walks per nine. It's an eighteen point five percent walk rate, but with a forty percent K rate, the strikeouts are there. That's usually really encouraging, but the walks are also there, and that is not. And you can't have a closer or relief pitcher walking that many players because then you wonder, oh well, he's he's due to regress, and his BABIP's three forty eight. With a career 263 BABIP, and even the last two years, his BABIP is, hasn't been nearly as bad. And then you look at the stram rate, 70.8%, which is also due to regress if you look at his career numbers in the last couple of seasons. But neither are going to regress when you're walking a career high 18.5%. That's his issue. If he cuts down on the walks, we might see Kimbrell actually do something. But the walks, I think, are hugely a killer to him. Like There's no, there's no fixing that. Because everything suggests he should be better, but I think the walks are truly what's. And you're looking at the walk rate has been an issue going back to 2016 now, minus yeah. 2017, 2016, 2018, 2019. You're looking at walk. You're looking at walks per nine, uh, 5.09, 4.48, and 5.23 to give you an idea. So the, the guy, the guy has just been walking a ton over the last five years. All right, my that's my. I'm done with that tangent, Kimbrel. Do you think he closes? Does anybody think he's a closer next year for the Cubs? Does anybody think he gets another shot? Is he going to be that guy that's going where like Joe Jimenez was going this year type of thing in drafts? Maybe offer that value? Anybody? Just because they don't have anyone else. (laughs) They paid him out the wazoo. I mean, you might as well try to put him in that closer role if you're paying the man that much. So I think he'll get another shot. I think he's going to blow it again. (laughs) I mean, but the price will be there. I mean, Greg Holland and Trevor Rosenthal are out there saving games. So, I mean, you know, they can make <laughs> comebacks. So can Kimbrough. <laughs> 2020. Nice. Crazy. Okay. So, George, we talked about one of your MVPs, one of your busts. Give us your MVP and bust real quick. So, Last my second one. MVP, a guy I have everywhere, Corey Seager. Man, Corey Seager has been just one of the best. Um, I mean, I, I was all over Corey Seager. Uh you know, draft season, uh, thought he could be someone who could return like a Xander Bogarts type value. And I mean, he's not stealing the bases that uh, Bogarts is doing, but I mean, he's every bit the hitter uh, that Bogarts is. I mean, 321, 374, 611 slash line, 14 home runs, uh, you know, only a 15.6% strikeout rate, 7.6% walk rate, 16.8% barrel rate, man. He's just, he's, he's <laughs> awesome. It kind of started at the end of last season, the last two months of the season last year, he was really coming around looking like pre-injury Corey Seager. Uh, took him a little bit, but hey, I mean, he was coming off of uh, was it elbow and hip surgeries. So, yeah, it's going to take him a while. And he was coming around late last season, and it, he just picked up right where he left off. Uh, some, some of his batted ball stuff, I mean, he's been really aggressive. 15.5% swing rate, career high, 0.6% pop-up rate. He's not getting cheated. He, he, I mean, 97.5% meatball swing. You, he gets a ball down the middle. He's taking it, you know, he, he's, he's hitting it. He, he's just been awesome, man. And, um, when, when he's putting that many balls in play, hitting it that hard and not striking out, that's elite. That's awesome. You know? So, um, yeah, just Corey Seager have him everywhere. He's been amazing. So I think we really shouldn't expect much different next year. I mean, 
maybe 295, 300, upwards of maybe 30 home runs in possibly the best lineup in baseball, the best lineup in baseball. I mean, can't ask, ask for much more from Corey Seager. And what about your last bust? Uh, last bust is uh, Brian Reynolds. He was uh, my guy in our in our uh, jersey bet, <laughs> and uh, it's not working out, man. Not just, working. just yeah, came up just a bit short on that one. <laughs> yeah, five home runs, one seventy eight for Brian Reynolds. Uh, I mean, Ooh. this one's another one that's kind of hard to explain, and I don't know. I mean, he did go on paternity leave uh, late August. Uh, maybe you know things at home and on top of COVID is maybe just a lot to deal with for a guy. And uh, it looks like, you know, 10.9% walk rate is uh, up over last year, 26.6% strikeout rate, but that can kind of be explained by his swing rate. It just looks like he's not swinging as much. So of course he's going to walk a little more and strike out a little more, Um, but a 221 BABIP, uh, he's actually has a higher barrel rate than last year, 9.3% barrel rate. Um, and he's actually 85th percentile sprint speed, which is up over last year too. So I don't know. I think just his track record, um, you know, despite just one year before this in the majors, I mean, you, you look, you know, we cited his minor league career, you know, in draft season, just this guy consistently hit over 300. Um, I I just think with the track record and the kind of flukiness that we have this year, I'm going to probably be in on Reynolds. He was already pretty cheap, um, this last year. And so next year, I could see him definitely going, you know, pretty late, maybe like around pick two fifty. Um, You're glutton for punishment, sir. No, I, I'm I'm taking I'm going to be back in on Reynolds for sure next year. He'll be really cheap too. He'll probably be close to like that three hundred pit range, which might be just a mistake. You're right, and even I and even I won't ignore yeah. that. Well, maybe I will because I'll find somebody else stupid I like that won't be as good. Um, going back to Corey Seager real quick, would you rather have Corey Seager or Bogarts? Uh, I'd rather have Corey Seager. Corey Seager or Arenado? Probably, I'm just going to keep saying Seager, man. <laughs> so the, is, is Seager basically going to be where Freeman and all them are around that, you know, the, no, two, I, the second round? Well, he's going to be – that's, that's where you're putting him. I'm trying to think yeah. of who might – oh, sorry, maybe not Freeman because Freeman might be a first-rounder, but how about that, Aaron, that, that Harper no. Machado range in that early second? No, I'm probably getting ahead of myself saying that I take him over Bogarts. I think, uh, yeah, Bogarts is going to chip in some some steals. Uh, I think Seager's going to go right. He's going to be like in that third round range. Is Seager going to be like going. next year's Rendon, basically, where he sneaks into that yeah. late second? Is that where yeah, you guys exactly. him? Yeah. I see Clegg doing a lot of head nodding. I love Seager, right? man. And I think it's going to be a good value. Like, I think he's going to go in the 30 range. Mm-hmm. I like him there. I mean, look what he's done this year. You saw what he was capable of as a – a young kid winning rookie of the year and nearly winning MVP that year that, that Bryant did, but he's a stud, man. The only, you just don't get steals, but I think he's a solid four category producer. Do you uh, take him over Ozzy Albies who since being healthy has been a stud again? No. Second base is such a wasteland. It is. You, you, you would give Albies the edge for, cause of second base still. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I'm with you. I think Albies and I said it on, I tweeted it out that, I'm back in on Albies, and I think he'll be a slight discount, but he still might go early third round because he's come back and just been on fire since, hitting for power and stealing bases. Yeah, his season average is almost up to 300. It's 298 after tonight. And that's how you know he's been dealing with injury the whole early part of the year, missed part of the season. But 
it's just I'm, I was hoping for a discount. I just don't think it's going to be there. I think I'm going to be stuck taking them with the like I'm thinking 15 teamers. I'm probably going to be stuck taking them at the back end of the second again, yeah. which that's fine. Second base being a wasteland, and he's batting ninth. And honestly, if he's doing this batting ninth, I'm okay with him batting ninth over over the season. Honestly, because maybe leading off is just the the stress. Maybe the pressure is there for him. Maybe he's one of those guys that he doesn't want to hit top of lineup or. And I'm not saying he can't produce because he did produce in 20, uh, 2019 top of the lineup, but I'm okay if he starts off at the at the bottom of the lineup and works his way up. Because if this look what he's doing at the bottom of the lineup, I'm loving it. He's the guy that I put on my bust list, but it was because of injury. And he hasn't been a bust since he's been back, but he's the guy that in a shortened season probably lost you a or could have not he wouldn't be the only reason why you lost the league, but he would definitely be a part of why you lost the league because losing that skill set that early on is hard to recover from. So that's that was why he was on my bus list. Didn't even talk about my bus, but Clegg, we're gonna make Zach wait. Oh, no, we already talked about all Zach's players. Clegg, you finish us off here, man. Um, did you switch up? I don't know if you switched up your other MVP pick, but you could talk about who you have here, and then you have one more bust as well. Yeah, I switched up my other MVP from Shane Bieber to another pitcher who is okay. who's provided a better return on investment. Yeah, that's that's Trevor Bauer. Let me just ask, do you guys hate Trevor Bauer? Because it seems I like, like him. It seems like everybody on my Twitter hates him, and I love the guy. I, I think like he makes the game fun. I think people hate some of his antics. Like he was like really bad. To ser- I think he made a couple, did a couple of boneheaded things early on. Yeah. But since I think he's been great for the game. He, the whole Tim Anderson put that on your vlog, and he did That's fantastic. Awesome. And then he said, I was this like he was disappointed in him because he didn't bat flip. Like yeah. he's a competitor. But he's also fun, but he's also he's not afraid to call out people as well for like like everybody from the commissioner to the Astros and in between. It's I think it's fantastic. I'm with you. I think he's good for the game. He brings that competitive nature that needs to be there. He pitched on four days rest tonight and just shoved. He had 12 strikeouts, just just dominated, man. He's going to win the Cy Young and then be overdrafted again and break all of our hearts. I bought into him once. I'm going to buy in again because I know he could. The thing is, those. We talked about this. We wanted to see if he could bounce back because he's known to tinker his way in and out of stuff. And he has the, he had the new pitching coach this year. Yeah, and, and that's what I mentioned. He tinkers so much, and he he tinkered with his pitch mix a lot this year. He's using the four seamer more than ever. Like in an age where people are going away from fastballs, the dude's using it and just dominating. And whatever people can say, he's using foreign substances to up his spin rate. Those are pretty else. Everybody else is doing it. Did you see? I'm pretty sure it was Garrett Cole whose finger stuck on his hat. He couldn't get it off. His yeah. came off with it. So you can call out Tre- Trevor Bauer's bullcrap on that, but everybody else is doing it. And he's he tinkers. The spin rates are elite, and he's just dominated, dude. And he might sneak in and win the Cy Young, man. He, I think he's going to pitch again. Like he's going to pitch one more time this year, I think, just because he wants to win that Cy Young award. And I mean, right now, 173 ERA, 0.79 whip, 100 strikeouts in 73 innings, just absolutely dominating. Like I mentioned, I mean, the pitch mix, he's throwing the fastball more than ever. Actually, he's, he's throwing it about a mile per hour slower, but the spin rate, he's got the best fastball spin rate in the league. The movement has increased. I think he increased the movement on it and all that, which is what. Sometimes like velocity isn't everything in today's game. You right. want movement on your pitches, and spin rate usually gives you movement. But yeah, I, that's the thing. So next year is Bauer top five or seven? Maybe he's going to be top seven, I think. But I don't, I, I don't think I can get myself to take him there, honestly, just because I've what, been burned. <laughs> yeah, we did it in 2019. He was I going did. like 
second, third round, and then he burns you. Yeah, I mean, you got to take him over Clevenger at this point. Yeah, yeah. you got to yeah. take him over Flaherty. The the only I would say it's Degrom, Bieber, Cole, Darvish, and then you're getting into the question marks where you could Castillo. I love Castillo. People he's been great lately yeah. too. People don't realize he started out slow, but he's dominated. But I think Bauer's in there for the the four, five, six spot. I think you can make an argument for him there. Yeah. Aaron Nola, I mean Nola, dude. I his did I actually looked it up. I meant to tweet it out and I didn't. You know Aaron Nola, there's only three pitchers with home run uh home run per nines bet worse than Matt uh Matt Boyd's and Nola was one of them. Ooh. And like every he was yeah, it was a weird stat. I found I was like, wow. Cause I looked at I was random because I don't ever look at uh, pitcher stats. So I randomly went on pitching. I was like, let's look at this stat. And uh, and sure enough, man, I um I checked it out. I'm gonna look it up right now, actually, because I have it up here if I go back to the dashboard. And if it's it should I mean I know he didn't pitch that great last night, if I remember correctly. So yeah, oh sorry. Oh, Matt, Matthew Boyd, Nola dropped his, so Nola's now fourth, but it's you have Garrett Cole and Aaron Nola fourth and fifth on this list, and Chris Paddock second of like the top five worst home run per five balls rates. So you can argue all of those. You can argue those four are due for regression because I don't think they've ever been that big of home run people before. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's just that. But Matthew Boyd and Kyle Gibson are one and three on this list. So to give you an idea of who they're around, it's like. Yeah, and Maeda is number six, and Maeda, and I, I'm wondering how. Like, now you start looking at that, it's like Cole, Nola, and Maeda are fantastic pitchers. If they have positive regression in home run in their home run rates, home run to fly ball rates, they could be even better next year. So there's yeah. two ways to look at it. Are they due for regression? Which way though? You don't know. I don't yeah, know. An interesting one. Would you guys take Walker Bueller or uh, Trevor Bauer? Bauer. I'm not going to do. It. I think Bueller was limited this year. Had a bad year. They're going to limit him again next year. That's, That's my- another thing. You gotta look at these pitchers. All these pitchers, like almost every pitcher, young pitcher is gonna be limited next year. It might be smarter to take Kershaw and other vets like that that can actually probably pitch 170, 180, even coming off of a short year. Yeah, I'm gonna get a great value on Kershaw, dude. Yeah. People are gonna forget about him again, and he is so safe and so good year after year. He's not flashy because he doesn't strike out. Like his Velo was back up this year though. Yeah, drive line man. He's it's, gonna be it's, a great value, and he's safe. Yeah, you you bring up a good a good point as far as like workload because you know some of these guys like Bueller who miss some time. It's like how many innings is gonna get in this year, and can you really expect him to push one eighty? You know, next year. I mean, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, because yeah. like right now Kershaw has fifty four innings. Yeah, typically so Bueller has thirty two right now. Do you really think they're gonna push him from thirty two to two hundred? Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point, and you know typically. You know, we might back away from pitchers who pitch really deep into the postseason and, and into the World Series and stuff. But maybe those guys will be the ones that you want to go after next year because it's like, well, you know, they got over 100 innings in this year. So, you know, they're going to be able to push, you know, for more next year. So, I mean, yeah. Hunter Green, Hunter Green in there put up 100 innings in rehab this year. He's a prospect for the Reds, obviously. But if he gets some run in the, at the major league level next year, he could be a sneaky little sleeper because he's going to be a guy that had no major league run, but pitched a hundred innings last year or this year in the, in that's in there, wherever the system is, the taxi, wherever it is, you know, what I'm talking about that, that offsite place. Yeah. It's mind. Hunter green. Cause he's a guy who I've actually got in a few dynasty leagues as like throw-ins this year. People were just, were just like kind of tired of holding him. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's an interesting name. Yeah, it's just somebody to watch coming come draft season. He's he's gonna be one of those guys in November if you're drafting early. Like I'm one of those degenerates. I'm already planning my November draft, right. and he's gonna be a guy that I'm targeting in the 45 to 50 round range because I do I do the draft champions leagues early just to get a couple drafts in just so I get an idea of who's good values. And I guarantee you, Hunter Green won't even be a top 750 pick unless uh, unless somebody like me takes him just to take on just on the chance because he's gonna be up next year. I think it's just a matter of when. But regardless, um, that's good. That goes right into strategy. We talked about these guys. I would recap them, but there's so many. You know, I'm going to recap them. George, your MVPs were Luke Voigt and Corey Seager. Busts were Brian Reynolds, JD Martinez, Clegg. You switched both of yours from Bieber to Freeman because they were obvious, but they worked out well for you. But that's something we shouldn't overlook. Hitting in the in the first couple of rounds is a big deal because if you took Tatis, you took Story, you took Turner, but like those are great. But if you took Yelich or or um, what's his face from the Bellinger? Bellinger. If you took those guys, they could have sunk your season. So just because they were obvious doesn't mean that you shouldn't include them because you draft these guys in the early rounds mm-hmm. to perform like early round guys. And if they don't, they could sink your season. So just because you, even though you switched them, it's worth mentioning hitting on early rounds is just as important as hitting on the later rounds. But you mentioned Trevor Bauer, Marcel Zuna as your other MVPs, Arenado. You didn't mention your last bust actually. Yeah, that's fine. I won't talk too long about him, but Javi Baez, I, I thought he would rebound a little bit this year. I mean, the 2018 season still stands out. He had 34 bombs, 21 stolen bases, and 290 average. But, dude, the contact numbers are, are horrendous, like Adalberto Mondesi contact rates. He has the sixth worst uh, contact percentage in the league at 62.9%. It's just bad, and it got worse. His zone contact at 73.5%. It's terrible, and I don't know. It just all went wrong for him. I mean, he's hitting 202, seven bombs, two stolen bases. There's there's not a lot to see here other than he, he's what we thought he was. Like, I think we got – we bought in a little too much that, that 2018 season, and we see those counting stats, and we see the power-speed combo, and even that good average. But he had a good average last year as well at 281. But I think to sum it up, I think you can say guys that make poor contact don't normally translate well. Like they're not going to contribute well to your fantasy team normally. There's outliers, but dude, the contact is horrendous and yeah, bust big time. He he must be he might be one of those guys just like Mondesi. They run hot and cold. Like I was really wrong on Mondesi, really right on him, really wrong on him. Like three different times in a sixty game span. It's just it's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the beast with these 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 streaky guys with the weird contact skills but we won't right. hop on that like you mentioned you mentioned mondesi like hasn't he like just he's on basis just just in the last like two weeks uh, has almost just like ga- like giving you the value right like just in the last two weeks guys someone like Baez can like go on a tear for you know a month and it's like all of a sudden it's like oh his numbers are right where we thought they'd be yeah. Mondesi and Baez are roto only players. Yeah. I will not draft either yeah. one of them in points leagues. In points leagues, they aren't even top 100 guys. No, but that's the scary thing. Like you, we have to factor that in the volatility because, I mean, Mondesi could easily be just a Malik Smith and not even rosterable. You know, and he so, was for oh, yeah. he was for like a month, and yeah. then suddenly he's like, "Haha, jokes on you! Watch me be a third rounder again!" Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. those stolen bases are elite. He put up twenty in sixty games. He could put up sixty easily. 
Oh, that's so frustrating. Anyways, yeah. uh, uh, Zach, uh, Zach, yeah, your last one here, buddy. MVPs were Kenta Maeda, Corbin Burns, Bus. I put four because I hate you. Peter Alonzo, Chris Bryant, Hunter <laughs> Renfro, and Craig Kimbrell. I just want to make sure you understood you had four of them here. There's four of us, four busts for Zach. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> but uh, final thoughts before we get out of here because I know I sped you guys through a, final, a few final players, but Zach. While I'm talking about you and your four busts, um, do you have any thoughts and honestly how you're going to go about your process this offseason? I know we're going to talk about – I think we'll actually have a podcast just discussing our our ways about going through an analysis this year. But how much are you weighing 2019? How much – or sorry, 2020? And how much is 2019 going to factor? Are you going to look at uh, schedules a little more, weigh them a little more heavily? Like, what are some things that you might do that you don't normally do? Maybe just start earlier in general, giving more individual players an overall look. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to weigh 2020 a little bit, but um, I still think that a lot of these top tier guys that struggle, guys like Bellinger, guys like Yelich, uh, Arenado, I'm I'm still going to be in on a lot of these guys. Um, I'm going to be there to, to scoop them up because I think they are going to fall in dress and I think they're you're going to get good value out of them. Um, I really think that these guys in a full season, if we even have a full season, I mean, who knows what the heck is going to happen next year. But um, I, I'm confident that these guys are going to rebound. I think these guys have safe lures, Arenado especially. I'm, I'm confident that they're going to return uh, to that 2019 form. So I'm not fully out on these guys. It's been an exciting year. We've seen a lot of rookies come up and dominate. It's going to be fun to see where, where guys like Sixto Sanchez go next year. Um, probably Ooh, way excited. Too, probably way too high. Uh, he's he struggled the past two times. But, yeah, I mean, it's just the sexy name that's going to go a little too high. So it'll be fun to see where some of these young guys go. But I, I think a lot of these guys that struggled this year are going to fall in drafts, and I think people should be ready to scoop these guys up. Um, because they still offer a ton of value and upside and, uh, yeah, safe floors, I think. Um, uh, we've, see, we've seen the closer position kind of blow up this year. Um, we were talking Every about – Yeah, <laughs> but we were talking about how maybe reach for, for some of the elite closers uh, a little bit earlier this year, and uh, I'm just uh, – I'm, I'm pretty out on that. <laughs> um, we've seen so many guys on the waiver wire become useful this year. Um, Guys like Rosenthal just came out of nowhere. Uh, I think there's there's going to be that every year. You just got to play the play the waiver game. Um, so I'm not going to really change too much on that. Um, but I mean, there's just it, I think it's personally been the year of starting pitching. Um, I personally struggled with hitters this year. I had a lot of shares of Yelich and Bellinger, and that kind of sunk my seasons in a lot of leagues. But uh, able to target good young pitchers like Gallon and Maeda and Corbin Burns, guys like that. So I think it's been a great year for pitching, and I think we're going to see those guys move up the ranks pretty significantly. Uh, so that's something that I'm going to watch for next year. And, yeah, uh, I just got to dive into it. It's been a it's been a weird season. Um, personally, haven't watched as much baseball as I would have liked this season, just with other things going on. But hopefully we'll be able to dive into things in the offseason once, once everything kind of settles here. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, you gave a long-winded answer. I didn't expect that. Yeah, Clegg. I didn't, I didn't either. <laughs> Clegg, what are your some of your final thoughts? How Reflecting on this year, looking into the next year, we talked about a little off-air. It's going to be crazy, but let's hear it. Yeah, it's it's been kind of a weird, messy year. And just off the – like just instant reaction, I think I'm going to be more apt to give like the struggling stars a pass. Like you mentioned, Zach, like – 
Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger, like they're guys that I'm gonna give more of a pass to than like the the breakouts out of nowhere. You know, some of these guys just a, a two month span. We gotta think about like in a normal season, this would we'd just be entering June at this point. So, how much stock would do we put in that in a normal season? And so I'm 2020 factors into what I'm doing rankings wise, but it's just part of the equation. Like we've got to look at schedules because like Corbin Burns, I mean, dude pitched against a really weak schedule. I think he pitched against the pirates like three times and the central was just not very good. And so he pitched, uh, he didn't get the better teams in the central at least. And so those factors matter. And then looking back at 2019 is obviously going to matter as well, but I'm still trying to factor in how much to weigh those, which is the the tough task. And so it's been a challenge. It'll be an interesting offseason. Should be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. George, close us out. No, you guys uh, pretty much said it all, you know. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm obviously going to weigh 2020 some, but um, probably give, you know, look at 2019 a little bit more, uh, especially for – you know, younger guys, I, I think, like I, I kind of mentioned it before, I think I'm going to probably just knock older players a little bit more going into next year just because, you know, the nat- natural aging curve. Um, but, no, I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Like, we, you know, if we were doing this podcast a month ago, we'd be talking about, like, Kyle Lewis. I mean, Kyle Lewis is, uh, you know, he, he's hit 150 over the last month, something like that, you know, so he's slowed down. So it's just going to be interesting to, to kind of see – you know, evaluate these guys, um, you know, the breakouts and how much we weigh. So uh, Kyle yeah. Lewis did hit two for four with a stolen base tonight. But anyway, oh, okay. just make sure I stuck that in there before the podcast <laughs> is over. I obviously did not get to my players, but it's okay. That's what a host does. They have to sacrifice once in a while. It's really hard for me to do that, but I think I did. I did well for the first time in hundred. It took me 125 episodes to not <laughs> talk over everybody about every player. So anyway, on that note, we are going to do something new, which I did not tell you guys, which is just something nice to for, to help promote maybe people giving us some some uh, feedback on the podcast. I'm reading the Apple reviews, and we had one new one. So we're at 99 reviews, ratings and reviews. So Well, not reviews. We're at 99 ratings, but we got a new review from Oakley Fight Club. These guys do a great job covering MLB fantasy metrics, stats, and analytics. I've I've been listening to this show since it started. I highly recommend the show. It's definitely five stars. If you've been listening from the beginning, you've been here through the law of struggles, multiple nice. issues with likes, multiple issues with with everything. But honestly, that feedback is awesome. And if it's bad, if it's three stars, two stars, one star, we want feedback. We want yeah. to be better. So I'm gonna make sure I start any new anyone listening, any new uh, five star. Any new five star, any new rating at all, I'll start reading at the end of shows and as a thank you, one way or the other. And obviously, this is where I also, I also promote hey, leave us a five star rating review. We greatly appreciate it. The season is over ish, and we hope that we helped. Stick with us through the offseason, and we'll get you a, a head start onto next year, which is going to be just as crazy as this year. So, again, stick with us, stick with us, and we will take you to the 2021 championship. As always, appreciate listening, and we will talk to you all very soon.